4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Happy hour still running here at Silver 7's 277 on uh, drinks at the Bud Light Lounge. Not all drinks, but most. Many. And also the Silver and Gold Bar right in front of the William Hill Race and Sportsbook. NBA Finals game number one is coming up, so we'll get into some basketball in just a little bit. Warriors and the Celtics. Very conflicted on this one. Very conflicted on this one. Before we get to the football frenzy, let's bring in our co-host the rest of the way, Judge Dan, Dan Jacobs, the fan in Denver. What's up, Dan? You know, I picked up on something right before you went to break, uh, Mr. Pope. Uh-oh, yes. I, I think he said, love you, man. And then you almost, like, obligatorily said, love you, too. And it just didn't sound natural. <laughs> I know, so it just didn't sound natural. No, I mean it, though. You. I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. Yeah, you know, I don't know that you did. We, I, It didn't then, sound like it. I tried to, I tried to kind goes, of, like, get all grumbly and kind of tough guy, but now Xavier's and then, awesome. And, well, then it goes, uh, of course, in my head, I'm like, uh, yeah, I wonder what it sounds like when, when Cofield says that to everybody, like like the SO. like the, Or does he say that to the SO ever? Ooh. You know? Or Inside like, dope. Have to reveal that at some point. Yeah, or love you, Ma. You know, like, uh, you know, he gets off the phone with his Ma. Yeah, love you, Ma. You know, like, what does it sound like when <laughs> Cofield says, I love you to Ma. various people in his life? You know, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting to me. We'll get some audio, and we'll see if it's genuine when I <laughs> – other times I say yeah. it. Yeah, that was – I forced that one out, but no. Xavier's awesome. Yeah. He comes on with us every week. Um, all right, so I want to get I believed the... him. No, I believed oh, him. Oh, I believe him, too. Genuine. No, I believe I him, too. I believe you, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll work on it. I'll work on it. A lot, a lot of things I need to improve on here. <laughs> all right, we open the football frenzy today with a football story, a fantasy football story, and I know people have been talking about this for a week. We just found out yesterday that the Jock Peterson, <laughs> Tommy Pham league that they're in, apparently Mike Trout, was the commissioner? I don't know if you've been following this, but it is fascinating. You know, clearly MLB was bothered by the fact that you know a guy is, is slapping another guy in the face over fantasy football. By the way, I'm sure they also gamble, so I'm, I'm glad they didn't. Ma- well, no, you know what? Fam did say someone's messing with my money, which that I thought that was interesting. So, what was your take on this this whole league now? And then Trout's like, ah, I'm not getting involved. Yeah, you know, I learned about how serious this was. So we had a guy back at the fan in Denver, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, who, not surprisingly, he loves fantasy football because he's now the actual GM or vice president of the Seattle Mariners. His name is Jerry Depoto, But back then, he had just retired from the Rockies, and he was hosting with us. And he was like, wait a minute, you guys don't have a fantasy football league. And I'm like, well, no. And so he created our fantasy football league, but he was in – like, I don't know, like five or 10 of these leagues around the majors. And he says, oh, no, this is a big deal. They're like $50,000 a piece to get in. And they would actually like beam in like uh, Jerry, how Jerry, uh, Jimmy Jones and Howie Long and all those guys. They would beam them into the clubhouses to do the draft. What? Uh Yeah. Breaking news. Breaking news. All right. Yeah. They would have the Fox crew like come in and do all the stuff. So this is like a big time deal. So it's not surprising to me that like this is this big of a deal. Although like I'm like right now, like how is this a big deal? Like it's it's not even July yet. Like so I don't I, I'm shocked that like there are these types of moves that would be cause like people are doing drafts right now. No, no, I don't no, know. No, no, no. Here, so the story is this was a beef from two years ago with some transactions oh. and eligibility in the middle of the season, and right. Tommy Pham on the Reds got all pissed off at Jock Peterson. He also I think got confused on. The rules in two different leagues. This is fam got confused on the 
the two leagues. Um, I understand where there could be a beef at Mike Trout because as a commissioner of these leagues, you got to settle stuff like this. But I will tell you, and I don't, I, do you play a lot of fantasy football? It doesn't sound like it. I used to, yeah. Okay. But you know what this sounds like? Adam Hill. This has Adam Hill written yep. all over it, like wow. trying to get around some rule or Adam Hill, you know, coming down from on high, like saying, I'm making up a rule and I declare that this should be the rule, even though it's not in the rules. I mean, this Dude, is what I Adam Hill God, does all day long, right? He's not on the show today to defend himself. But um, about three weeks ago, because I run a league that we're in, I've, I've got a baseball league that I've had since 1989 with a bunch of college friends right and it is now it went from a league that was pretty hardcore but we had a really good commissioner so the beefs got squashed pretty quickly people have calmed down so we bring adam in like three years ago and adam's still the guy who comes in and now he wants to like i don't like this rule i don't understand this one and he tried to make a move a couple of weeks ago and i'm like dude it's in the rules you can't do it and then he tried to like explain you know some sort of loophole and i'm like listen if you want to go to another league you can um the, the move's not allowed. That's it. So I had to put my foot down. But apparently Mike Trout isn't as strong as me when it comes to fantasy football. But he, here's the thing. And, again, this is another guy who's not on the show right now. We will get him on as a guest. But you know our buddy, Saran Petro, in Kansas City. Yes. And he is intense about his fantasy sports. And when I heard that Tommy Pham slapped Jock Peterson in the face, my reaction was, oh, okay, that's interesting. But I was like, and because I am in fantasy leagues and I have seen fantasy leagues where it is this serious. Now, I wouldn't suggest that, you know, in, in our case, you know, you're younger than me, but you're, you're 50 slapping fellow fantasy football players. But things like this happen. And again, to go back to kind of the legal end of it, this is why when you play at a certain level, a certain amount of money, it can get a little bit dangerous. And I don't mean personal safety, but like people will get that worked up. Well, I, like I, w I was going back to Jerry Depoto, when we started that league, uh, we had a host that was drafting from like the press box at a Broncos preseason game, and he he didn't know what he was doing. He drafted Emmett Smith in the first round, like a washed up Emmett Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Depoto like started screaming, like, like what? Like, like he was destroying <laughs> the integrity of the league, and like he was all upset, yeah, yeah, you know, because yeah. Depoto took it like serious. Yeah. And of course, he went on to be the GM of like the Red Sox and the Mariners and whatever. And like we were just like laughing because our morning show host had no idea what he was doing, and Depoto's like beside himself with the incompetence of this guy, doesn't know how to draft. So yeah, I mean, some guys get com completely worked up. They get mad if you don't even know how to draft. Like they don't even care about you know. It's like these guys are nuts. Yeah. Well, once a league starts, and then the concern is there could be morons in the league who decide to dump, you know, make bad yeah. trades, help someone else become a superpower. But, hey, that's what happens in fantasy sports, man. It's another form of gambling, and people have money on the line, and it gets super, super well, serious. And, and in that league, what happened was the commissioner started retroactively, like every Monday night after the game, he was changing his lineup. Yeah. Oh, so boy. we had to oust the commissioner because he was cheating, and it was a whole scandal. It was a big scandal. Bad news. Speaking of money, this one in from the SEC. This is hilarious. So the SEC is very well known the last, I don't know, at least five or six years of basically scheduling a bye week um, and their bye games. But it's always late in the season. Week? Well, it's they play a game and they play it against an FCS team. It's generally in week eight, nine, ten of the season. And... There's not much you can knock the SEC on for football, but it is one of the things that people have gotten on them about. 
And right now, the SEC is kind of leading the way on what's going to happen with conference scheduling. Like, in a conference, in a Power 5 conference, do you play eight conference games or nine? And Jimbo Fisher actually said this the other day, the Texas A&M coach. I don't mind playing eight or nine conference games. I do believe this. We need to play an FCS game. Um, I came from those leagues. Uh, he mentions Bobby Bowden. He said, how do those schools make budget without a big payday at least once against a Power Five? Do you believe that they are playing FCS teams to help out the <laughs> FCS schools? It's out of the goodness of their heart. They don't want an easy game. <coughs> We're helping the little guy. Yeah, out of the goodness of their heart. It's ridiculous. Um, it's usually, I mean, not just one FCS cupcake. They usually play two or three cupcakes, uh, is my recollection, at least two. Uh, maybe one FCS and then, you know, throw in another sister of the poor Division One from, you know, a, a CSU, for example. The CSU played, uh, you know, uh, I think maybe Alabama recently or something like that. Yep. Yeah. So um, they, they play a couple cupcakes a year, two or three. Uh, to soften their schedule. The notion that the SEC is getting tougher is, is quite surprising to me because, you know, they do play in conference. They play tough schools. Uh, so uh, it, it's surprising to me that they're looking to get uh, tougher. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Jimbo Fisher's argument that, you know, they, they need to have some sort of football philanthropy is, is, is quite, you know, laughable. That's, that's ultimately not why they do it. Uh, they want to make sure they get a little break late in the season. And they sure. can afford it. Um, now, now what he's saying is actually true. It does help the FCS schools. It does help the group of five schools. Like, UNLV is going to play at Notre Dame, and I, I have to look up the uh, payoff. It might be like $1.4 million. That, that's a massive boon to what UNLV does from the athletics department standpoint. So there's some truth there, but I don't know if it's all altruistic on the side of the SEC. Now, the interesting thing here is as they debate if they're going to play eight or nine conference games, Part of the debate is, hey, we're, we're adding Texas and Oklahoma, so that's going to make things tougher. And you've got the bottom schools. Like, I think Alabama is fine playing nine conference games. I think, you know, LSU, Georgia, um, they're fine playing non-conference game, nine conference games. But the schools that are in the middle, like a Missouri is looking up and they're like, wait, so we're going to play nine conference games. We only get three that we control where we could play cupcakes. How the hell do we get bowl eligible? Because we may go two and seven every year, and never make a bowl game. Like the like the right now, Ole Miss is kind of riding high because of Lane Kiffin. But normally, Vandy, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Missouri, South Carolina at times, all these schools could be going. If we only win two games in conference, we're not making a bowl game. Right? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm wondering what's driving this, other than. Uh, well, because Texas and Oklahoma are in the conference, and now it's so freaking deep at the top. Now they're worried about it. But what, I think ultimately what they're going to do is they're going to have – they're not going to call them pods, but they're going to have four-team pods where you have three common opponents every year. And, man, I don't know who's going to win in, win in the battle of should we play eight or nine games. I think the eight-game the eight game season might might win out. And if any conference can do that, it's the SEC because the SEC's reputation is so good. They can, they can schedule four cupcakes, and it's not going to hurt them in eventually what will be um, you know, an eight- or 12-team playoff. Next up. So interesting news from the NFL, Dan. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to retire. 
Well, yeah, you know, uh, the last time Ryan uh, Fitzpatrick uh, said he was going to retire? Last year. Remember that? <laughs> yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, there's always someone who needs a, an old backup to be the bridge guy or if their starter gets hurt. Unfortunately, he got the starting job in D.C. and then couldn't even make it uh, through the season because he got hurt early on. But I thought, I thought Fitzy would be a decent candidate for the Seattle quarterback mix, which now is, I mean, you got to see Drew Locke in Denver. It's, Seattle's not in good shape with Geno Smith and Drew Locke right now at quarterback. No, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, Steve. Uh, Pete Carroll said that if Drew Locke had been drafted this year, he'd be the number one quarterback in the draft. They love Drew Locke. Why would he lie to us? Why would a football coach lie to the media? Do you believe he has any chance with the backing of an organization? You know, they can give him a year. Does he have any chance to develop into something? The Broncos gave him a year. They literally did. They gave him a year plus five games. But I, I, I don't know this narrative... There's this narrative that Drew Locke kind of got the short end of the stick with the Broncos. He didn't. They literally tried to give him everything. They gave him five games one year in which he went four and one and then gave him the entire rest of the next year with supposedly this great Vic Fangio defense backing him up. He's terrible. He sucks. Like he can come in, get you excited because he'll, you know, score, you know, move, you know, move the move the team down the field for a, a series or two. He's the 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 year that he was the entrenched starter. He was the among starting quarterbacks, the least accurate quarterback in the league. Turned the ball over, tied for the most turnovers in the league, most interceptions in the league. That's what he is. He's inaccurate, and he turns the football over. That's who he is. He has a large sample size of doing that. Last year, they were in the playoffs when Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. He came in. They never won another football game, lost out. That's what happened. They And he actually took a victory lap. Like, he was taking victory laps when they lost games. Like, the last game of the season, he came in and he moved the ball a little bit, and they lost. And he's like, see, I told you if I got an opportunity to run around what I could do, dude, you lost. And that's the way that guy is. The rumor on Fitzpatrick is that he's being lured away from active duty NFL to become a broadcaster. Amazon's trying to put together something because they've got Thursday Night Football. They've already got the game announcer set. It looks like the studio team, which, of course, has to have like nine guys and a main host. The studio team could include Ryan Fitzpatrick, Marshawn Lynch, Tony Gonzalez, and Richard Sherman. Yikes. Well, first off, Marshawn Lynch, I thought he had, like, some great anxiety talking in, in, into a microphone. Like, like he's, what's the what's the deal? He's very much opened up, especially if it it involves getting the bags. <laughs> it involves what? Getting, getting the bucks? Getting the bags. Getting the bags. Oh, okay. Bags of money. Yeah, yeah the bags of money. Yeah, yeah, I mean, come on, man. And then... Or the bag. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I, whatever. I mean... You don't you like know, that? He, you don't think that combo has potential? Uh, that that quartet. Yeah, I mean it's it's young and hip, I guess. I you know Fitzpatrick's you know clever. I mean he's a smart guy. He's clever. He's funny. He's uh, bitter sometimes. So um, I think Richard Sherman could be really good. Marshawn Lynch will be the guy on the panel who gives no f's. And then Tony right. Gonzalez obviously is a little more polished since he's he might actually he might be the worst one. 
Seriously. Right. I mean, if you're trying so to put far, together a crew that's going to that's gonna be, you know, you're just going to unleash this crew on the NFL and they're going to say anything they want, Tony Gonzalez might be the one who's, you know, because he's been trained um, around other broadcasters, unfortunately, unfortunately, who are lame, he may hold back well, the group. Well, I was going to say, Gonzalez has a track record. Other than being polished and handsome, I mean, what has he brought to the table? Has he impressed you? I don't know that we've ever spoken about anything on Sports Talk Radio that Tony Gonzalez has said. And that's not – I'm not killing him uh, because maybe that's what they suggested to him and how we should be. But, you know, he's going to have to keep up with those guys because I think that's going to be a pretty wacky group. So Judge Dan's here all the way until 6 o'clock. We'll get into some legal stories later on. But uh, coming up, I want Dan's take, Dan Jacobs' take, on what's going on with these U.S. golfers now and the Saudi league and – you know, the more you read, it's not – I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, because this is kind of what Phil Mickelson said, like, you know, the Saudis are terrible, but, you know, you don't realize how bad the PGA is. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going there because I don't know that the PGA has human rights violations, but this is really interesting, and it's going to – I think it's eventually going to go to court. Awesome giveaways and promotions all week long at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Judge Dan alongside Cofield here at Silver 7. <coughs> Happy hours going on right now, 277 on the drinks. NBA game up with pregame at 530, 6 o'clock with the tip. I got that right, correct? I got that right. I don't want to mislead people on the uh, time of the game tonight. I'm looking forward to this series. Yep, 6 o'clock tip. Um, I see a story unfolding, Dan, that not a lot of people have covered. Um, I think there are two sides to the story, and it's going to get ugly here, and it may go to court, and that is this Saudi Golf League with, like, $250 million offered up in prize money, I think for, like, 10 events. And Mickelson got destroyed to the point where he was so embarrassed by what he said that he scurried away for, like, two months, didn't even defend his PGA title. Um, he will be back in London. You can bet your ass now that he's gone into hiding, that he's still going to make his money. Um, and now, now, and now, Dustin Johnson's involved. Which you know, Phil is one thing because Phil's fifty-three years old. I mean, Dustin Johnson is still a very good, active player and a big star. What do you make of this thing? Well, the first thing um, I was reading an article. I had no idea Dustin Johnson is actually thirty-seven years old. Yeah. And what I thought was, man. What a kind of a waste of a career. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Because he was, uh, I mean, I don't know. If, I just had this perception that he was always going to be, because the talent that that guy had, because um, his career is pretty much over now, probably, on the PGA Tour, he was a, he was the young gun. He was the next guy. Like, he had, he had all that talent that he was going to put it together and dominate. And of course, he had the substance abuse issues that he, you know, was going to overcome. And he was just so long off the tee and so talented. Once he put it together, he was going to be unstoppable. And he's, I think, 13th in the world now. Now he has two majors, but there are a lot of guys bumping around out there with two majors. And now, once you start creeping around 40, and he's 37, like, well, eh, I mean, he ain't, it's not like, you know, he's probably not going to go on a run and dominate and, and get to 10. Right. So it's like, wow, that guy bumped along perpetually 
going to be the next great thing. And he never really got there. I mean, that was the first thing that kind of came to my mind after I right. had done, done some analysis. But as far as the, um, the legal stuff on, on this, it, it is fascinating because, you know, the PGA saying, well, we're just going to ban any and every player that plays in any of these events. And it says, well, can they do that? And the answer is, well, maybe, maybe they can because, <laughs> well, maybe, well, cause, cause you, you alluded to yourself or you alluded yourself. Well, it, this is going to go to court, right? Right. Um, and probably it is because if the PGA's position is going to be, we're going to ban forever anybody that plays in this league, then yeah, it's going to go to court. There yeah. will be lawsuits period. It's, it's ridiculous. Cause there's, 42 players committed in the 48-player field for London next week. And a lot of them are international stars, and maybe they're not in their prime now. But Sergio Garcia is in it. Lee Westwood is in it. Kevin Na, who's actually a, a Vegas guy, is in it. I just I don't think you can – they're really going to ban someone as big as Dustin Johnson and some of those big international names to the point where there's like 40 guys who are banned from playing in PGA events and there's not going to be something legally that's going to happen. Of course there's going to be. They well, have to fight and, back. And, and what you, you alluded to it before, like what is so bad about the PGA? Like, like Phil Mickelson's won $800 million on tour or something like that. I think he's made $800 million like, with endorse, with endorsements. Right. Um, and you know, Greg Norman has forever hated the PGA tour. Right. Uh, he, he's already tried to start a league like way back in the nineties or something like that. Uh, why do these guys hate the PGA tour? so you know so badly like what what is so bad about the pga tour i mean it could be better right like i mean you know they're you know the, you know in essence they are banging around each week they could go and not make any money at all right like if they don't make the cut you know they're out of luck right you know that type thing you know i'm sure they would like more of the revenue um but you know one of the articles you sent me steve is you know they get more of a percentage of the revenue than any major sport the players do um, so I, I wonder, like, what is so bad about the PGA that these these players feel that go like, listen, you know, we had an event here um, and, you know, we covered that was like, man, they got free, you know, not all of them, but they got free Buicks to drive around. They stayed in free villa. Some of them stayed in the free villas at the country club. Like, it's a pretty good life. Well, I think <laughs> I think golfers want more control of their careers. They don't want to be threatened by the leading organization in the United States. So there's, there's kind of an ego battle here. And, and I don't blame people for not wanting to be under one organization's thumb. Now the flip side of it is the human rights violations, the Khashoggi story with Saudi Arabia. I saw that uh, RBS, I think that's a Royal Bank, a Royal Bank of Scotland. Uh, they pulled out some sponsorship on a bunch of these golfers. UPS did the same. I just, I don't know if people are, protesting against this because it's something easy to protest against or like they really care about the issue what do you mean what what people uh, the sponsors I'm saying, I'm saying companies because because phil mickelson had no. multiple companies drop off with him no i think i think most of those are probably because they're aligned with the pga tour like like the dustin johnson's uh sponsors that dropped off for example i think at least a couple of those we're sponsoring the Canadian Open, which he pulled out of to play in this this event okay. that's coming up. Okay. So, so no, I think they're they're going because they're aligned 
a lot of them are, are aligned with the PGA Tour. I, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know that this is a huge, I mean, there's some of that, right? And some of these are just irresponsible comments, like, like Greg Norman made irresponsible comments. Uh, Phil Mickelson made some irresponsible comments about right. the very, Saudi Arabia very, thing. Very flippant. Right, flippant comments. But right. let's be honest, the rest of the world didn't stop doing business with Saudi Arabia. Including the us. United States. Right. Including right. us. Yeah. So it's not that, you know, the the golf, a golf league can't be started by uh, in Saudi Arabia. You're backed by Saudi Arabia. A lot of things are backed by Saudi Arabia. That can happen. It's just you got to be smarter with the way you make your comments. Yeah. I mean, Greg, Greg Norman was more than flipping. He was almost aggressive about it. And I, I actually, I don't understand um, why Phil Mickelson is just running and hid. I, I don't, I don't get it. And he's, you know, he's kind of like, I, I've got to get my things together and I need a break. And like, Phil, what's, why are you hiding? You're part actually, of it. You're part of it. Defend yourself. Be a little less clunky in your comments. And there, here's the thing. A lot of people hate Phil Mickelson. That's so. No matter what he says, he can't win. But I, I wonder what happens now to Dustin Johnson, who I don't think is going to speak much on this. And supposedly he's due like a guarantee of 125 million dollars. Um, but I, I don't. I don't think he's going to get raked over the coals. I think the more players who get involved, there's going to be more acceptance and, and maybe a little more delving into the story on both sides, PGA yeah, and the Saudis. And actually, to 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 belabor that point, Jack Nicklaus is actually making, doing a golf course, designing a golf course over there right now. Like he met with this league. Uh, there's an article out this week that said, yeah, I met with them because out of a courtesy, because I'm designing a golf course for them right now. So of course I met with them. I'm not interested. I'm aligned to the PGA Tour. Uh, but you know, out of courtesy, because they're giving me a bunch of money to design a golf course. So it's not like Jack Nicklaus isn't in business with them. Enter to win a $100 gas card every 15 minutes from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. every Thursday here at Silver 7s and the William Hill Raisin Sportsbook. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield & Company. Please don't talk about me when I'm gone. Oh, honey, though our friendship ceased it from now on. And listen, if you... I wish we had the uh, the Dino song queued up. Dean Martin's Vegas song about taking your wife to Vegas, where he's like, that is the dumbest thing ever. Because we had Steve's here on an hour one. I think Steve said like 50 times his clients love to come to Vegas. Sam's the wife. Judge Dan, actually, when he comes to Vegas, will bring along the better half. Yeah, no, she was supposed to come last time, actually, when uh, Watkins was supposed to, um, we were supposed to have a big uh, golf match. Sure, yeah. Justin and, Watkins, uh, whining and dining you. Yes. Well, and, your, your, uh, your yeah. relationship has really blossomed. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he, uh, Watkins is actually very nice with the, uh, taking you out to the old uh, golf club and everything. Yeah, uh, yeah like Never Oprah. Been. Never been. Yeah. Not, I'm sure not because you've been invited, haven't been invited. <laughs> Um, just, uh, we're both very busy. Yeah, I have played yeah, golf with him. Actually, I think I was so bad playing that he was like, "Bruh, I, I can't do this. You're all over the course. <laughs> you know, you're throwing clubs. It's just you're an embarrassment." Right. Hey, real quick, my iPhone did something uh, really cool just about an hour ago. Okay. Uh, I have a client that's uh, man. He doesn't he doesn't know texting etiquette. Like instead of just you know getting his thoughts together and I'll text you like one text. 
I'll just text, text, yep. text. You know, five, five, you know, send you text messages in a row. Like, dude, stop. You know, you get the right. ding, 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 yep. ding. So I've never seen this before. <laughs> the iPhone just came up with this alert and said, would you like to mute this conversation? Yes oh, or wow. no? Yes, <laughs> yes, like, yes, yes. Yeah. For now, yes. He's got He's got to stop. Yeah. And so it's Doing cool. a radio show. Calm down, please. Yeah. It was um, awesome. Fat pack item of the day today. It looks like uh, for baseball, Miami has a special item. Vanilla milkshake with buffalo wings in the milkshake. I didn't see the ranch. The ranch can't be in the milkshake. And hot sauce. Would you be in for a buffalo wing vanilla milkshake? No, and I'm a big Hurricanes fan, but I feel much shame saying that. I, I don't understand the point of this. Like, what? what I, 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 it's, it seems very unnecessary and uncalled for. I think my only issue with it is I don't know that the wings and hot sauce, uh, hot sauce actually have to go in to the milkshake. You could have them side by side. You know, the milkshake would be wonderful relief if it's getting, like, you know, a little too hot. I mean, they are two of the things I like a lot. They're, it's a great – it's – Putting them together, I think, is actually a decent idea. I would do it. I don't know. The ranch part of it, though, I want to see where the ranch is. That's got to be on the side. I'm not throwing ranch into a freaking vanilla milkshake. A hot wing does not belong inside a milkshake. I mean, listen, this isn't a Bloody Mary, right? We're talking about milkshakes here? Yes. Right? Yes? Yes. yes. Okay. I don't put... You can get away with bacon, maybe. Like, Five Guys does... You can get bacon in a milkshake. That's about it. Like... You know, a really? donut, maybe. I think chicken yeah. in a milkshake is better than bacon in a milkshake. Chicken in a milkshake? Yes. No. Some no, spicy chicken. You have a, sp- a bite of spicy chicken. I might even dip it. I oh, might. God, you might. No, you will not dip it. Why? Yeah. Okay. First of all, you're not going to tell me what I'm going to do. I'm telling you. I am. Do I just it. did. You're not going to be. Happened. You're not. You're not going to be around us. So um, you're not going to stop me. <laughs> so now I may go do it just to stick it to you and probably stick it to myself. I'll get sick no. and then I'll go. I showed you. If I were around you, I'd go, first off, Steve, you're 55 years old. That's a bad idea. You know, I'm not going to uh, go to the uh, CVS and get you some omeprazole later when you're going, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm not doing that for you or getting you some Tums. It's a bad idea at your age anyway. But no, it's just a bad idea anyway. You know, maybe on the side. You know, yeah. for, first off, you know, I mean, who who's ordering milkshakes anyway? Let's be honest. I mean, oh, I love a, milkshakes. I was well, we at, all love them. I, I was at we a burger place them. last week, and I so wanted one. I didn't get it. I'm like, I, I actually, I didn't even like the burger that much. So afterwards, I, I lamented the fact that I filled up on the burger. I was like, I should have just got a milkshake. Screw the burger. Right. We all love them, but we don't order them. That's why they invented the frap, right? The frappuccino. It's so adults can order a milkshake in the middle of the day and actually, you know, not feel bad. You know, that's why I tell my daughters and, you know, my wife, oh, you got yourself a milkshake. No, it's a frappuccino. Well, that's what that is. It's a milkshake. No, it's not. Oh, okay. Let's get some bets on the NBA Finals uh, coming up here. 6 o'clock as Brad Powers is up. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. The Celtics will win if their role players come with it. That's Grant Williams, Al Horford, Robert Williams, like Marcus Smart. Grant Williams got to hit some threes. He's got to be physical with Draymond, Kevon Looney, whoever might be his matchup. And then Robert Williams, if he can get out to the three-point line and block some shots, like that's a good sign in terms of his body feeling good right. and his presence. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. 
Monica McNutt, NBA analyst from ESPN, with the breakdown of the finals that the uh, Williams boys are big keys going into this one. Not the stars, not the stars of the series, but it, it could be some of the uh, role players who play a big part. Dan Jacobs with us. It's Cofield, Silver Sevens on a Thursday. Brad Powers up to talk a little college football, see if he's getting involved in the NBA. Brad, how you doing, buddy? How you doing well? Thanks for having me on. Are you getting involved in the NBA Finals? Yeah, I like Golden State at least tonight. Uh, I didn't put, make a series play, but I, I did bet the, the Warriors tonight. I mean, I, I tweeted this out. Uh, if you've been blindly betting the favorites in the NBA playoffs, not only this year, but the last seven years, I mean, you're, you're hitting 57%, and we're approaching, you know, several hundreds of games as far as the sample size, so... Uh, obviously, I don't think it's an ideal spot, even with several days rest for Boston, uh, especially playing back-to-back series where going to full game seven. I just, I, I trust Golden State, the experience in the finals so, over Boston at home, favorite trends. Uh, I think it's a de- decent play tonight. You're sharp on this stuff, and you talk to people who are sharp. Does anyone have a good explanation as to why the favorites have hit at 57%? Uh, I haven't talked to anyone really outside my circle. I mean, my thought process is this. Uh, about that time, um, and this is 2015 when this started, keep in mind this is like a, a year or so after, uh, you know, LeBron goes back to Cleveland for the second time around, and he famously, I mean, the Cavs, you know, famously, I, I would say that was a team that had they played to their full full potential in the regular season. They're capable of winning 60, 65 games. But, you know, the load management started becoming a factor. And the Cavs would not be the number one seed in the East. They would be like the four seed, and they'd win 50 games. So uh, what, here's where I'm getting at is a lot of the teams that were capable of kicking it up uh, an extra gear or two were able to do that, but the, still the full season stats and trends uh, were there that they were being priced like a 50-win team when in reality they were a 60 or 65-win team. So uh, I think the load management and whatnot is why, you know, I don't think favorites uh, have been priced accordingly in the last six, seven years, if that makes sense. Yeah, I also think that about that time there's also a mindset that came in that didn't exist in the past, and that was if a team's out to a big lead, you know, 18, 20 points, and it's – you know, eight minutes left in the game. There's more of a mentality now, like, "Hey, we got more of the series left. Let's pull the plug and save ourselves." Couldn't agree more with that. That's super sharp. I've been talking to you for several years. That's that, that's top ten for you. Um, that that is certainly probably the case. <laughs> top ten. Oh, that's, I don't know if that one was that great. I don't. Only that's only, okay. All right. Uh, Brad Powers is Brad Powers is with. Um, can I can I get your opinion, Brad, on what we've seen around? Uh, sports gambling, media, we've seen a lot of new entries in terms of new personalities, right? Everyone's got a podcast. All the uh, the sports books have different people they've added. A lot of these people didn't really have a rep as being active bettors. What is your take on player props? Because I, I see more player prop recommendations from a lot of the new gambling experts than I'd ever seen before. Oh, I mean, it's certainly a, a, beatable, a more beatable market. Uh, I mean, you want to play, get some nice records going. Uh, yeah, I mean, why not? I know a lot of pros that take advantage of it. Now, I mean, it's tough getting down. It's tough, uh, especially if you start becoming a market influencer. 
I mean, uh, the very few people can get, uh, you know, a lot of the numbers that, that people are quote-unquote touting up. Uh, but, no, I mean, certainly player props is certainly a way of the future. Wasn't available when, the, you know, a lot of this started, you know, even when the, 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 they, the Supreme Court came down with the law. Uh, I mean, uh, player props were, weren't going on readily available, at least in the state of Nevada at the time. So, right. relatively new market. It's beatable. And uh, I don't have a problem with the new guys giving it out. All right. Brad Powers with us. BradPowerSports.com. Brad Powers 7 up on Twitter. I saw you send out essentially a kind of a nasty gram on Twitter about the oh. way Ohio is handling getting legalized sports betting. You don't like it, huh? Well, you know, I look, I'm I don't know what it's going to be once it gets here. Uh, and they said, you know, January 1st, 2023. Uh, it's not necessarily a criticism of what it'll be. I mean, if they had 20 or 25 different books and they got a handle on it, maybe it could be better than a lot of states. But my issue is, what took so long? I mean, if you look at the state, you know, the most popular states as far as betting handle, a lot of them are border states of, uh, of Ohio, the Pennsylvanias of the world. Uh, Michigan's a, a good market. Indiana, even with a, a, a lower population, is really popular. I mean, there's five states that border the state of Ohio, and four of them have had sports gambling for several years. I just don't get it. I mean, I grew up in that state. It's a sports-crazed state. I think, you know, when you factor in the population, it could be a top-five market, and I just don't get why it's going to take as soon as they, you know, when they end up going live, it's almost five years to the point where, I mean, it should have been a year in my opinion. I think a lot of politicians stick their beak in these things, and uh, maybe they need to get their beak a little wet, and there's a (laughs) delay there, or they were getting their beak wet in the past. I mean, the fact that it took New York as long as it did, well, New Jersey was raking in, you know, lots of state tax revenue. That one was outrageous, and who the hell knows what's going to go on with California because they've got a whole consideration and complications with the uh, Native American casinos. So that California, which is, of course, the state that absolutely should have it with the size of the population, that may not come for another two or three years. So it's pretty nuts. Absolutely. I mean, we still have states like Texas and Florida that don't have yeah. it. I mean, Florida! Your most popular, Florida! popular states yep. got nothing. Of all places, I'm telling you, uh, I mean, I've been doing radio so long now. I'm trying to remember how 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 far back this was. Probably, um, like I don't know, 2003, four, five. I, I was making a lot of trips to South Florida for fights, right? UFC fights, boxing matches, and I would listen to sports talk radio in South Florida. And I'm like, these guys are lunatics for sports gambling. Like the content was already there. They were talking sports gambling, and they're like, screw it, it's not legal here, but people bet, so we're going to deliver what they want. Yep. Uh, Freaking huge 20, market t- 20 plus years ago. Yeah. And we, and we know I Miami. Loves it. It. I just don't. And we've only scratched the surface of what this market can be when yeah. it matures. Um, uh, you know what? I could go down the path. Let's 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 move on to some other stuff that's more pressing right now. You and I have had this conversation off the air many times about where the whole thing is going. Um, I want your opinion as a college football junkie. What do you think is best for the SEC as they debate what they're going to do? They're not going to do pods. Right, but when they add Texas, Oklahoma, they got to come up with something, right? Should they? Should that conference be playing eight or nine games in conference? Oh, I mean, at least nine. I would argue ten. I mean, really? are you kidding me with sixteen teams? I mean, yeah, they should. The more, the merrier. Uh, I mean, as long, but they're not going to like it because I mean, maybe they play themselves out of the playoff because you're playing tougher competition. You're more likely to have losses, but. I mean, let's face it. I mean, sooner or later they're going to expand the playoffs, and 
uh, SEC is going to get the most teams in when, when they do that. So, uh, no, I, I want to see more. I mean, I would, I would like to see 10, honestly. Yeah, I was explaining to the audience earlier the problem there is, and I think a, a lot of the uh, mid-level and lower-level SEC schools are like, wait, we have to play 10 conference games out of 12? Yeah. We're never going to make a bowl game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, bowl games do serve a purpose. Uh, they do. So th- th- there is rightfully so some pushback from, from some of those schools. Uh, I mean, they, they do, have, you know, for a lot of those schools that, that aren't going to ever go to the SEC championship game or attend for a national championship, they're important to get the to get the six and six, or you know, a school like Kentucky that, that, that said that they have pushed back on this. I mean, they're not if they don't have those easy nine conference games, uh, they're they're not winning eight, nine, ten games like they have been doing here recently. Yep. All right. So you're for more SEC games. Does that apply to the other Power Fives, or should the Pac-12, especially, um, and who knows what's going to happen with the Big Twelve? Should the should that conference want more scheduling flexibility so they can be more aggressive out of conference? Ooh, that's a great question. Now, I, I would like some more uniformity. I mean, I would like all Power Five conferences to play nine conference games. Uh, I mean, I still like non-conference matchups because I can get it's easier for me to get a good read on overall strength of conferences. I mean, especially come bowl season. I mean, to lean on that when, when there's money to be made. So, I mean, I don't want to totally get rid of non-conference games, but. Yeah, I would like the ACC to go to nine conference games, and obviously the SEC as well to match everybody else. So I mean, that, that and look, better better teams going on better teams. It's easier to to, to evaluate teams as far as I'm concerned. Brad, are you getting in any contests this year? Yeah, I am. Uh, I'll join. I know the Golden Nuggets said just announced today that they're going to start up signups July 1st. Uh, I mean, I'm always in that every year, and I haven't decided on circuit or not. Uh, more of a lottery ticket, so I'm yeah. not sure that I'm too anxious to, to join that. Yeah, and you like the Nugget because it's both college and pro, although it's extremely competitive. I mean, to finish top five every year, you basically have to be, what, 64%, maybe even higher. Yeah, I had a year where I finished 69% and I finished fourth, so I mean, I, even though it's only a couple hundred people, you, you still, you still got to get after it, I'll put it that way. Uh, last one, I saw some odds come out for the Big 12 for football, and it's very weird. I just, like, I've already moved on from Texas and Oklahoma being in this conference, but they are the favorites. So Texas is plus 175, Oklahoma 200. Uh, from there, Oklahoma State 4-1, to one, and Baylor 6-1. to one. What do you think? Uh, Texas overrated. I bet Texas under their season win total, 9.5, I found at William Hill. Uh, so I think that's a really good bet. I think they're being overpriced. I still would consider Oklahoma to be the favorite, and if there is a sleeper, it'd probably be the defending champ. Uh, I really like Dave Aranda at Baylor, the head coach, and I know they lost a lot in the draft, but he's done a good job of recruiting, and I just think he's one of the best defensive minds in college football. So Baylor's a sleeper. All right, give us the update. When is the road trip starting? Uh, the road trip, uh, well, I, tell you, I just had a mini one right before the show. I, I drove all the way into Arizona to best season rental at DraftKings. It took me an hour. I can give you a Marshall over five and a half Southern Miss. Over four, Bowling Green over three and a half. Those are three of my favorites. Nice. Uh, they're off a lot, so I'll put it that way. Good deal. All right, Brad, we'll talk to you. Thank you. Excellent spot. All right. Take care, guys. And he always gets the excellent spot at the end, especially when I, he says I have a uh, a top ten take that he's heard from me of all time. We've done a lot of spots. I didn't think that was great. That really that great a take, but uh, I figured I'd throw in a little knowledge because I throw. Believe well, me. Why didn't Why didn't you say I love you? 
Um, well, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't say it to me. So I get you're well, right. I should. I should actually say I love you first. In a lot of these cases, Big Five is on the way as we're live with Judge Dan here at Silver Sevens.